This episode of Industry Focus is brought to you by TD Ameritrade. Not a fan of being surprised by hidden fees? Well, at TD Ameritrade, they charge just one straightforward price and give you everything you need to trade. No hidden fees, no surprises. Learn more at tdameritrade.com slash pricing, member SIPC. Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. It is Friday, May 24th, and we're talking about the FTC's case against Qualcomm. I'm your host, Dylan Lewis, and I've got Evan New on Skype. Evan, what's going on? Not a whole lot. It's snowed a couple days ago, but, you know, late May, which is normal here in Colorado. So it's kind of cold here, actually, even though it's like almost summer. <laughs> Are you serious? Did it was it like a significant amount of snow? It was like a couple inches, uh, and it was like 30, 40 degrees yesterday and this morning. <laughs> well, it is about seventy something and lovely here in Washington D.C., and it's kind of gearing us up nicely for the Memorial Day weekend. Do you have any fun long weekend plans, Evan? Uh, not really. I mean, they opened up our la- our neighborhood pool on Memorial Day, and then my daughter's birthday is next week, so we're you know, just getting ready for that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's kind of the official opening of summer. Uh, of course, we also you know want to take a second to acknowledge the sacrifice of all the fallen servicemen and women. Uh, Memorial Day is a lot of things, but I think it's also a day of acknowledgement and appreciation, uh, and you know a tough one for a lot of people out there. So, hope all you guys are doing all right and. Thank you to all of our vets as well. Um, Evan, we are talking today about a story that we first really talked about back in January, uh, and that is the antitrust case against Qualcomm. We had some sense of maybe what might be happening. We have a little bit more of the details now. Uh, yeah, so we, we had covered the case when the trial was going on in late January, and it wrapped, but it's not a jury trial, so it was all up to the judge to make a call here. So we've been waiting a few months to see what you know what she was going to decide. And at the time, it did appear that the FTC did have a pretty strong case against Qualcomm. And indeed, you know what's happened now is that she has ruled in their favor. So it's a, it's a pretty big uh, news event here for Qualcomm. Yeah, we saw some early signs that federal judge Lucy Coe seemed to think that uh, a lot of the business practices that Qualcomm was using may not hold up under antitrust law. That's what we got here. Um, and this really centers on Qualcomm's no license, no chips policy, Evan. Right. So they have a bunch of different aspects of, you know, you know what they were doing wrong, but basically the FTC had sued Qualcomm back in January in 2017, uh, basically around the exact same time that Apple did. And both cases alleged that Qualcomm engages in this really anti-competitive conduct that has done a lot of damage to the cellular modem market, including the no license, no chips policy, where you know in order for them to sell you chips, you basically they basically require you to sign a licensing agreement. And they have a lot of standards, essential patents, in which case they're supposed to license those patents out at what's called fair, reasonable, and non-discriminatory, or FRAND terms. And they were not offering their patents on FRAND terms and demanding really excessive royalties and then you know, using that as leverage uh, to say, hey, if you want our chips, you got to sign these agreements with really high rates. And at the same time, you know, they were able to use that combination to even force Apple into an exclusivity deal from 2011 to 2016. Uh, and Apple's obviously you know, such a massive company, and not many suppliers can get the upper hand on Apple. Yeah, you know you're coming to the table in a position of strength when even Apple has to say, you know what, we got to do it. Um, and a lot of what we saw in some of these cases, both Apple's and the FTC's, was some specific documentation about what Apple estimated uh, these chips should be costing and what they were actually costing as a case for the markup that Qualcomm was throwing on things. 
Right. So, I mean, Apple's long been the largest standalone modem buyer in the world by a very large margin because over the past 10 years, you know, the vast majority of smartphone makers have been you know, moving towards and have been using integrated modems, uh, often Qualcomm Snapdragons that have integrated cellular connectivity. So Apple's like the biggest discrete modem buyer. And, you know, Qualcomm you know, basically is forcing them to pay exorbitant rates. You know, so, for example, during this trial, uh, CEO Jeff Williams testified that Apple is paying Qualcomm about $7.50 per device after uh, rebates, which is about five times what Apple considered a fair rate. Like they wanted to pay $1.50 per device, and they're paying $7.50 after rebates. And then one other kind of crazy part about this showing how like brazen Qualcomm was is that in 2013, Qualcomm tried to jack up the per device rate even further, adding another $8 to $10 on top of the $7.50, which was already five times more than what Apple thought was fair. So Apple basically, instead of you know taking that huge increase, they renewed their exclusivity, which is also not a good deal. So I mean, obviously, if you're blocking any rival uh, from even competing for a chance to score the biggest modem customer, you know that's going to do a lot of harm to the modem market. Yeah, and the reason that the FTC was interested in the case, and the reason that this case even really happened, was you think about competitive dynamics. If there is one player that is pretty much industry standard for something, and they are able to set prices at whatever they think they should be able to set the prices at, um, that is a tough spot for anyone reliant on that input. And it's also something that ultimately gets passed to consumers. You know, if all the inputs for these products go up, well, that's going to get passed along when people are actually buying the end product in stores or online. Right, and that's you know theoretically. Of course, Apple prices are pretty already high to begin with, <laughs> but it doesn't help when you know they, they're facing these pretty big costs on their end too, uh, that they just don't think is fair. And and for Apple, from Apple's perspective, it's more about like a principle like this is not right, and of course the FTC is more like this is just straight up illegal. You're violating a bunch of antitrust laws. All right, why don't we get specifically into Judge Lucy Coe's decision now that we've laid the context? We've been waiting on this for a while, and she pretty much ruled the way we thought she would. Right. She ruled in favor of the FTC, uh, basically on all counts. It's a 233-page decision. I haven't read all of it. I was, you know, perusing it, you know, going through the important parts of it. But the conclusion is, you know, she's imposing an injunction on Qualcomm that has a lot of really big, you know, big consequences. So first of all, she she's saying they cannot require chip customers to have licensing agreements. And you can't threaten to withhold chip supply in order to pressure people into these licensing agreements. You know, basically taking apart this no license, no chips policy. And at the same time, she's ordering Qualcomm to renegotiate the existing licenses uh, because some of these licenses, which you know, she's obviously saying this policy is not right to begin with. So it doesn't make sense to let them keep some of the agreements that are already in place. Some of which are very long term, some are perpetual. So she's saying you have to go and renegotiate all these. Uh, she's requiring they have to license their patents, their standards, essential patents on FRAN terms. They can't enter exclusivity agreements. Uh, you know, if you think about it, the cellular motor market already has extremely high barriers to entry because the, the R&D is so capital intensive, so technically challenging, and it takes so many years to develop. Last thing you need are even greater barriers like exclusivity agree agreements. Um, another piece is that they cannot interfere with customers communicating with government agencies. Uh, this refers to how Qualcomm, uh, a couple of years ago, entered into a settlement agreement with Samsung, uh, trying to silence Samsung from making antitrust complaints to South Korean regulators. So, and, and on a related note, uh, you know, Qualcomm had also tried to penalize Apple for cooperating with antitrust regulators around the world, uh, which is required to do by law. So, you know, there's a lot of pieces going on here. And the last one is just a compliance monitoring report that they have to submit to the FTC every year for seven years, just saying, hey, we're, we're keeping up with and complying to the, the court order. 
And then I have not read the full decision either. You know, we've been trading back some excerpts on Slack and chatting. And I will say, I mean, I think yes, the business practices were there. And uh, what was particularly damning about this to me was some of the uh, cross-examination. You know, you could say, or basically taking whatever management was saying. You know, throughout the. Um, uh, proceedings that this case has gone through, and then comparing that with evidence that they have, uh, whether that be emails or messages, that seemed to really show that they were very aware of what was going on. Right. Uh, Lucy Coe, the judge here, was not happy about that because she mentioned it very, multiple times in this decision how you know these executives, some of which have left the company since, but you know basically these executives are testifying, saying, "Oh no, we didn't know about this. This was not happening." And then it turns out, like you mentioned, tons of evidence comes out, documents, emails, presentations, all sorts of evidence saying, yes, these executives absolutely knew about these shady practices and were basically just directly contradicting their own testimony. You know, it just doesn't add up because they obviously knew these things were happening at the very high level. Like, like the CEO is having emails about the, you know, the no license, no chip stuff, and he's also turning around and denying any knowledge of it. So she was not happy about that. Like all things legal, I think this case is far from over. Uh, we are going to talk about Qualcomm's immediate reaction and then what you might expect from this company over on the back half of the show. But before we get over there, this episode of Industry Focus is brought to you by TD Ameritrade. When it comes to investing education, one size doesn't fit all. Because everyone is different, whether you're just starting out or an elite trader, TD Ameritrade's education gives you what you need to learn on your own terms. Choose from articles, videos, webcasts, and in-person events. You'll even have access to education coaches. Everything you need to take your knowledge to the next level. Start today at tdameritrade.com slash education, member SIPC. All right, so Evan, Qualcomm is going to be appealing this decision, and they've requested an immediate stay of the injunction. So we don't really have the firmest sense of what this means for the company yet. We have very little idea what it means for the companies they supply to, but I think it's easy to say this is going to create some problems for Qualcomm. Right. So at face value, it looks really bad, but of course, you know, it's going to take a while for it all shake out with the courts and the legal system and the appeals, which you know that stuff always takes forever. But uh, you know, again, at face value, uh, Co basically threw Qualcomm's entire business model in the trash because you know Qualcomm's model has always been to have these two highly complementary segments. You have licensing and you have chips, and they play off each other and are linked in, in you know such a powerful way. But now it's you know becoming clear that the way those ways are illegal. And to be clear, like if you were to separate these segments, they're still great businesses, but it's just that they they shouldn't be able to generate nearly as much revenue or have the same level of earnings power that they have if you you know kind of set, split them up in that way. So just to kind of put some numbers to it, for example, uh, activist short seller Carousel Capital earlier this year put out a short thesis, and they are short the stock uh, at least in, uh, as of January, uh, and they basically were you know running some numbers based on this assumption that the FTC was going to win this trial, and they have. And they, by, according to their estimates, Qualcomm's licensing revenue could get basically cut in half. You know, so in fiscal 2018, they did a little bit over five billion dollars in licensing revenue. And you know, according to Carousel's estimate, if you you know adjust that to friend levels, like reasonable levels, they, they would have lost like 2.7 billion of that revenue. So, I mean, just just as an example, it shows you know this licensing business. Again, it's 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 a it's a good business. You can bring in quite a bit of revenue, but just not nearly as much as they have been. One of the things that I've been most curious about with this whole saga 
is we had pretty much concurrent cases going on, Apple and the FTC. And you had to think that Apple, kind of reading the tea leaves and knowing exactly what was going to be happening with FTC and Qualcomm, would say, you know, we don't need to be doing anything too quickly with this supplier. Um, we can kind of wait and then use whatever that decision is as leverage for a future agreement. That's not what happened. They wound up striking a deal earlier last month. Right. So, you know, last month, Apple and Qualcomm announced a surprise settlement. Uh, in in their case, literally the same day that their trial started, it was just hours after the opening argument. So it was kind of a, you know took everyone by surprise. Like, whoa, you guys have been fighting relentlessly and saying terrible, you know, trashing each other in the press for two years, and all of a sudden you just settle. And you know now those were finally understanding what happened more. You know, in the months since, you know, Apple had been really banking on Intel uh, delivering a competitive 5G modem, but Intel simply was having trouble, could not do it, and you know they're getting hit with delays, a lot of technical challenges, could not keep up on the technological side, to the point where Apple basically had no choice, since Apple needs to come out with a 5G phone uh, sooner rather than later, and you know with the timeline being threatened by Intel, you know not being able to deliver, that's kind of what forced Apple's hand here, and you know they're they're probably going to release this 5G iPhone. It's too late for this year since you know, design cycles take quite some time. So next year is when they're expected to you know, have a 5G iPhone with a Qualcomm modem. Uh, but it's just ironically, it just goes to show how good Qualcomm's underlying technology is, uh, and it's pretty clear at this point that Apple hates doing business with Qualcomm, but it just has no choice. And I mean, when this all started, I actually predicted that Qualcomm would end up settling with the FTC and that the Apple case would do more damage, in part due to political stuff that was happening around the time with the incoming Trump administration and the changing political composition of the FTC commissioners. Uh, for example, the only Republican commissioner on the board at that time were to really strongly word of dissent against the case. So uh, obviously, I was 100% wrong. So it's probably a good thing I'm not a lawyer. <laughs> but you know what, Evan? Uh, you got to own your mistakes. You got to be accountable. Uh, you know, at The Fool, we talk about that all the time. We have our scorecards, we have our holdings. They're public. People can see them. And we keep all these episodes available. So if anyone wants to listen to the January episode, it's there. Uh, we might have gotten some predictions there wrong as well. Um, but I think it's good that you're acknowledging that you were wrong. And probably in a you know right line of work, not being a lawyer. <laughs> yes, yeah. you and me both. We are no Nick Seipel. Um, before we wrap up, I want to talk a little bit about what this means for Qualcomm, the business, because uh, the stock is down roughly ten percent since this news came out. Understandably, I mean this is a big hit to their business model. But I think you really have to look at what's been going on with this company over time, and I think this stock changes quite a bit because you know they had these very complementary business segments, like you said, they had this high margin licensing revenue and then relatively low margin chip sales. This seems to really compromise that, and they've already been dealing with a shrinking top line, Evan. Right, like the stock jumped on the Apple settlement because now you settled this thing with your this enormous customer. You got this new chip supply, chip supply agreement with Apple, but then the FTC comes and just trashes your business model. <laughs> so, you know, the stock has been all over the place based on these developments that have been happening in the courts. And yeah, like the, like the licensing business, like you mentioned, has always been super high, you know, margin, and really been the bulk of their operating profits. Whereas, you know, on the hardware side, on the chip sales, you know, it's profitable, but not nearly as much. So, you know, I think the, the market is like worried because this is a huge risk. But again, you know, it's going to take a while to see how this shakes out uh, in terms of, like the appeals and all this stuff and whether or not they actually have to do these things that the judges ordered. Yeah. And, and as you might imagine, a company that does a lot of supply work for the smartphone industry is somewhat reliant on the 
tailwinds or headwinds that that industry is experiencing. And so, you know, we've seen that a lot of unit shipments. Um, have been kind of slowing down. You know, companies like Apple have had a little bit more trouble with longer upgrade cycles. All these things. So this business is already facing some issues. This is just kind of compounding that. And and I think it's worth talking about here with this company. You know, they have a over three percent dividend yield. They're one of those companies that come up on you know tech dividend screeners. Uh, I would say I'm a little worried about that dividend payment medium to long term because this is not a business that's really flourishing right now. They're being told their business model needs to be rethunk a little bit. And you look over at the last 12 months, they've paid out just under 250 per share in dividends, and they've pulled in just under two dollars in earnings per share. So their payout ratio is over 130 percent. Um, they have 10 billion in cash on the balance sheet, but they also have 15 billion in long-term debt. So, so this is not a company that is necessarily built to sustain that dividend for you know the next decade the way that they may have been in the past. Right. I mean, that, that dividend could absolutely be at risk if they're you know forced to really you know, change their business model in the ways that we've been talking about. And another thing that you know is kind of happening in the broader smartphone market that you mentioned is like, you know, we're in the midst or at the beginning of transitioning to 5G, and the judge was very much like, you know, with 5G being such a big thing that's happening, the last thing that, you know, we want is for Qualcomm to be able to do the same thing with 5G that they've done with 4G. Because it hurts consumers in terms in the form of like higher prices and all these things that you know negative effects of you know bad and you know, not having good competition. So you know she's really looking out for consumers and saying, hey, as we're going to five G, we need a more robust uh, ecosystem of you know innovation and technology. Uh, so you know I think that's good for the overall market too because that's going to be a pretty big you know massive shift in the mobile world. Yeah, and that could be the trend that really kickstarts Qualcomm again. But uh, for my money, it is not a stock that has been on my radar, and I kind of think things could get worse before they get better. Evan, how are you feeling about it? It's funny because I was I bought them a long time ago, and then you know, probably at this point, two or three years ago, I sold them because the stock was underperforming, and the, you know, they had too much reliance on, on Apple and Samsung, which you know, at that time were about fifty percent of the total revenue, which is just massive and at the same time you know there are all these questions because these antitrust investigations are not new i mean they've been being investigated by antitrust regulators all around the world for many many years so for me i actually got out you know again two or three years ago because i just saw some cracks in the thesis uh, and you know, it turns out those have been kind of coming to fruition uh, even though at the time you know, they're still paying a really good dividend and all these things but there was just a lot of risk factors that i saw that i didn't really Think were, you know, weren't going to play out very well, and it turns out they didn't. So I was, you know, right to sell at that time, uh, but yeah, it's I wouldn't touch the stock just because it's so volatile with all these risks going on with what's going to happen with the underlying model if they're going to get hit with. It's just too much for me to handle. <laughs> well, you're being hard on yourself earlier being wrong, so you got that one right. Yeah, there you go. You win some, you lose some. <laughs> you win some, you lose some. Uh, thanks for hopping on today's show, Evan. Thanks for having me. All right, listeners, that does it for this episode of Industry Focus. If you have any questions or you want to reach out and say, hey, you can shoot us an email over at industryfocus at fool.com or you can tweet us at MF Industry Focus. If you want more of our stuff, subscribe on iTunes or you can catch the videos from this podcast over on YouTube. As always, people on the program may own companies discussed on the show, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against stocks mentioned, so don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. Thanks to Dan Boyd for helping out behind the glass today. For Evan New, I'm Dylan Lewis. Thanks for listening and fool on.